Welcome back into the Pub Sports Podcast. Back after a uh, lengthier break, you know, had the the last part of December and then uh, the start of the new year uh, to kind of get some things in order. But now that we are back, we've got bullpup basketball, uh, both girls and boys. And it's always weird about basketball in the sense of it feels like football gets done and basketball starts right away. Now, with that said, it's like the first half of the season for basketball really doesn't mean a whole lot um, with a lot of out-of-league uh, play. But as then the league starts to ramp up and the league games ramp up, that's when you really start to kind of gauge your interest, catch your interest, see who's going to be atop the GSL, um, the playoff implications, you know, district uh, tournaments, then the state tournament, and so forth. So now that we've had that kind of break and now we're coming back um it's a nice stretch where the bullpups are actually going to head into uh, a lot of home games so on the front end of their schedule i think paul manfred has done a great job in the sense of having a lot of their more uh you know road games at a conference play all of that uh on the front end of their schedule and then the back end he did a really nice job of making sure that they got a lot of home games consecutive home games as they kind of get into the teeth of their schedule. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to do before we get too heavy into kind of where are the boys at, where are the girls at, you know, what's going to look like for the rest of the season and implications for the district tournament and where they could possibly seed if they do make it to the district tournament, um, was I wanted to go back and basically start off by saying this. This week, um, Steve Gleason received the gold uh medal of honor and uh or congressional medal and uh i wanted to to share one story about steve that i had uh when i met steve when i was in high school so back in in 2010 2011 he came and was a part of our uh summer camp for football and it was amazing i mean this guy out there in sandals and he's running around, and it, it felt like, you know, step for step for most of us kids that were on the team, and that was guys including Bishop Sankey and, uh, you know, Charlie Hopkins. And he he was an incredible athlete. I could see that at, you know, him in his mid-30s. And what was cool about that was he didn't just spend that one practice with our team. He spent the entire week. And... Steve was a great guy. It felt like no matter if he was speaking in front of the entire team or he was speaking just to you, he was the same guy. And one of the things that we did one of the evenings after practice was we went into one of the classrooms and Steve broke down uh, highlight footage of his senior season, his junior and senior season at prep and you know the different opponents that they went against the defensive scheme that they ran, um, you know, stories that he had from players that he shared uh, his time with at prep. And Steve was just an incredible guy. I mean, it, it, it really was just a cool experience of here's this guy that, you know, went on to go play at Washington State and then went on to play at Nor- uh, for the New Orleans Saints, had the famous block where there's a statue in his honor outside of the Superdome. And you know, is this symbolic guy for, you know, uh, the city of New Orleans. And he's so symbolic when it comes to Gonzaga Prep, too. So then three months later, getting the news 
that Steve had been diagnosed with ALS was really shocking because of the fact that it was like, are you kidding me? The guy that was running around with us just three months ago, you're telling me he's months away from having to be um, saddled in a wheelchair and he's not going to be able to move. It, it just, that was really tough. That was really tough to swallow to where it makes you think how short life is. But it also was a testament to, did I think Steve knew something? Yeah, I really do. I think Steve knew when he was back and he was running around with us that, you know, he he had potentially something in the pipeline that he was going to face. But it, it didn't change who he was while he was with us as a team. And to watch his journey since then, it hasn't changed him at all. So that's my brief encounter with Steve, uh, with Steve Gleason and what he meant to the prep coaching staff. I mean, what he meant to McKenna. Uh, and then what he meant to, you know, every kid he came around because it felt like he was, you know, a, a warm guy, a prep guy through and through. And it was just a really cool experience to be able to say that I met Steve Gleason and got a chance to see, you know, who he is. And uh, to see him honored... Uh, with that Congressional Gold Medal, um, a really neat experience. Need to read the write-up on him uh, in The Spokesman. And then on top of that, need to uh, see that footage and see some pictures of people that, you know, made the trip to D.C. Uh, that was really cool, too. So thank you to all the prep people that have been, you know, uh, an echoing voice uh, for what Steve Gleason stands for. And uh, thank you to Steve Gleason and family. You know, talk about a guy that is selfless because he's doing everything that he's doing right now for other people that are battling the disease that is ALS, but also his family. To think that a guy is trying to do everything in his power so that his wife and his kids are okay after he's gone. I mean, it, it's it's... It's a message you want everyone to hear, and it's one in which you wish and you hope that you're willing to listen to yourself. So, um, Steve, if you know you get a chance to listen here out there, um, thank you, buddy, for everything that you impact me for just a short period of time, a week's time, um, and thanks for everything that you are currently doing because it inspires me continue to this day. Now, bullpup basketball, all right? Before we get into where we are at uh, right now in league play, overall record, all of that, I wanted to go back and acknowledge one, uh, Anton Watson. So not being in Spokane over the past couple of years, uh, missed out on some incredible prep basketball teams. So boys teams specifically, the girls had amazing teams as well back in 2014-2015, back-to-back state title winners. Now, with the boys' team that most recently, the majority of them just graduated last year, an amazing group of five. You know, um, you could even say there were some good role players in addition to those starting five that were out there. Um, But a dominant team. I mean, dominant may be an understatement, for sure. Now, Anton, and looking up some of his stats incredible over the four years that he was a player, a varsity player. Now, 
when you're talking about a guy that career average was 18.7 points per game, I mean, you just don't hear that at the high school level too often. And if you do, those are Division One college basketball players that you're seeing play during the week, you know, on ESPN. Uh, and Anton is one of those guys. And not too many times have we seen a player like that come through prep. I mean, you can go back to legends, um, Terry Kelly, uh, John Stockton, other guys that, you know, would make the list too. But Anton is really up there as far as top three probably basketball players of all time to go through prep. And really, really cool story from what I've heard. Never had the opportunity to meet him yet in person, uh, but great kid. Great kid, good family. Um, I've seen him come around to prep games this year, even though he's been graduated. And so it still seems as if the prep community means something to him. And that's always nice to see from a player to where it's not just a checkbox. This got me to where I wanted to go, you know, get to GU, be a Division One athlete. It was, no, my humble beginnings, where I came from matters. It shaped me. And I'm going to show appreciation. I'm going to go back. I'm going to visit all those different things. It's so fun to see a kid like Anton still remain relatively active in the prep community. And how nice it is that he ended up going to GU to where he's able to do that. Now, looking at his overall record at prep, remarkable. 102 and 6. Over the four years that he was on varsity, 102 and 6. Golly, man. Now, um, two state titles, two third round finishes. I mean, the, the dude is decorated already. So from this point forward, no matter what he does, whether his career stops at the end of his time at GU or he goes on in the NBA, he's already uh, experienced success, what is, which is an incredible thing that not too many athletes are uh, able to. You know, it makes me think a guy like Joe Burrow that just won the uh, national title with LSU uh, this past Monday. That guy had never won a championship, or at least didn't in high school. Decorated quarterback, five-star recruit, got a, recruited by Ohio State, lost and still remembered that loss when he was, was, in, was in college. And it took him five years to win that national title and have something to kind of tip his hat on. So it, just like that, um, it's really cool, Anton, to see him have that success early on, and I wish him future success. Now, I did just see the article that came out in which it said, He's going to be shut down for the season. Um, that's really unfortunate because it was, again, looking forward to seeing him play a little bit more. And I think he could have been a key contributor to uh, that Gonzaga team this year. But he's going to be a part of a pretty special class and run, I think, next year in college basketball because the recruits they have coming in, and including the recruits that they had this year, obviously, they are going to be a team that is, you know, without a doubt, a top five team, you know, before the season even starts. So uh, my prayers go out to him, his family, speedy recovery, Anton. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see you around at, you know, another game or two at prep. Now, uh, it's a perfect transition looking at where the team was last year, the guys that graduated, and what was left behind. So, it, it's it's not as if things just end after a great championship run. You know, you still have underclassmen. You still have kids that are coming into their senior year or their junior years and make up a varsity team. So 
It's weird to think after Anton was there for four glorious years, successful years, that basketball at Gonzaga Prep has to go on. Now, uh, the article that I thought was actually well-written in The Spokesman is what I'm going to bring to you on the front side of this podcast. Um, Dave Nichols wrote it, and uh, we'll go through it and uh, give it a read, uh, highlighting that Gonzaga Prep's Liam Lloyd now is the uh, growing leader for the team. After practice on Tuesday, Gonzaga Prep boys basketball coach Matty McIntyre called for conditioning wind sprints. He ran the pups hard, and when a couple of the bigs didn't finish the drill in time, the whole team had to run again. Leading the pack physically and emotionally was Liam Lloyd. The 6'5", senior wing, was first to finish the first set of sprints, and as he hustled into the finish line, he looked over his shoulder and shouted encouragement to the few that were struggling to keep up. Come on, boys, he shouted. As McIntyre allowed the squad to recover briefly before the punishment lap, Lloyd was still chirping at his team. We're better than this. All of this was in eyesight and earshot of the entire junior varsity and freshman teams waiting their turn to take the practice court. It's his team, McIntyre said after practice. Liam's the unquestioned leader in everything that we do. We're going to rely on him to maintain the culture that we've established. The culture includes a 102-6 record, sorry, 102-6 loss record over the past four seasons. My role has definitely changed a lot, Lloyd said once he caught his breath after the workout. I've got to lead these younger guys. We have a lot of juniors on the team and two sophomores. We only have three seniors, and I'm the only returning senior. So I have the most experience, so I've got to lead with my actions and my words. It's a tall task, maintaining the culture, considering Gonzaga Prep returns just two players off last year's squad, which won its second consecutive state 4A championship and graduated all everything Anton Watson, who dropped the prep off the jersey and is now wearing the uniform of the top 10 powerhouse Gonzaga. For the past two seasons, Lloyd has been a complimentary piece to Watson, the 2019 Mr. Basketball for the state, state 4A player of the year and two-time state tourney MVP, and the abnormally large senior class of 2019 at prep, which included guard Jacob Parola, Shaden Bird, Carter Sonneborn, and originally Jamari Jones, who missed his senior year with an injury. Watson is one a once-in-a-lifetime player, McIntyre said, and so you never expect to replace someone like Anton. And then a lot of those guys leaving that he had played with, all are buddies. Those are darn good players that sometimes didn't get the credit they probably deserved. I just want Liam to be true to himself. I don't expect him to be like Anton or act like Anton. Anton had a really unique ability to make people better around him. And that's the message for Liam. And our guys is that they have to continue to live out the tradition and legacy that Anton left behind. Is Lloyd ready for that? Liam's up for the task, McIntyre boasted. I've been very impressed with him the first eight days of practice and the way he's doing things on the court and the way he's communicating with his teammates. I've been thrilled. His biggest challenge this year 
that we've talked about multiple times will be, can he make the people around him better? That will be the true last test of leadership and ultimately get us to where we need to be. I definitely play with a lot of passion, Lloyd said. And that's, I think, a good thing. So I'm excited to bring that passion this year. In some other programs, Lloyd would have been the featured player from the time he stepped onto the varsity team. The pedigree is there. He is, after all, the son of longtime Gonzaga assistant coach Tommy Lloyd. He has already committed to Grand Canyon University for next season. My dad definitely wanted it to be my own decision, Lloyd said. He's kind of left it up to me to talk to all the coaches, and he's kind of wanted me to stay out of it as much as he could until they called him directly about me. With Watson at the next level and his college choice decided upon, Lloyd's finally the man at G-Prep. I really think this is an opportunity with this team being his, and no one would ever question that, that it has given him the opportunity to grow in other ways as well. So I think it will serve him well, and I think it's going to be a big part of leading this team, this young, youthful group. I've grown up with a bunch of pressure my whole life just growing up with my dad as a coach and all that stuff, so I've always had people watching me. I just think the pressure is just natural now, so it comes easy, I guess. There aren't that many people that get a chance to win three straight titles as Lloyd does. I mean, for sure, it's something I think about, something i definitely like to accomplish, so I'm going to give it my all this year. We're going to try and get that back. McIntyre acknowledged that there are some that might think G-Prep is vulnerable with Watson moving on, but he's undaunted by the new challenges. I'm going to get my joy from watching these 11 get better over the course of the next three months, he added. I think that will be a hard team to beat by the end of the season, and I'm excited to see the growth. Lloyd's anxious to get started and put his stamp on this team. Lloyd closed by saying this, Anton taught me a lot of great leadership skills that he has like leading with his actions. Anton's quite a leader. I guess I could be a more vocal leader this year, and I'm so excited. So with that said, let's go ahead and dive into this team thus far this year. Now, I thought that was a pretty good article written uh, by Dave Nichols, kind of profiling this year and as far as the GSL goes. Now, if there's one thing I could say about the GSL before diving into the season thus far, um, it makes me think of... Uh, the happy Gilmore scene where he comes back for like the eighth time of not making the semi-professional hockey team and uh, his girlfriend is waiting for him and he goes oh I got subway and she gets all upset with him and she's like I'm done and he goes what what are you talking about and she goes happy when are you going to realize you keep trying out for this hockey thing here's the problem you're not any good And uh, if there's one thing that I kind of think about this uh, GSL this year, they're not any good. Uh, Besides CV and besides Mount Spokane, who's obviously a 3A team, uh, the rest of the GSL, not very good. So when we assess right now what the Pups have done and what hopefully they're going to do, this should be a team that should be the three seed going into into districts. Without, without question, I mean, they really should be able to be the three seed. With how down the GSL is, how down the GSL was last year, it just was overridden by how dominant prep was. 
Now, when you're looking at the boys' team thus far, they're five and one in league play. They've got an overall record of eight and four. Now, three of those losses, in addition to that one league loss, one was to Post Falls, and two others were in the tournament that they played over in Washington D.C. So, right now, their losses are not necessarily indicative of, hey, here's the GSL. They've had some tough go with, you know, a GSL opponent. They've been a lot of out of conference opponents that they've lost to. Now, they started the season this year, and this is this is pretty tough. You start your season this year, if you're the Pups, you have to play CV, who's arguably probably the best team in the GSL this year, and they had to begin their league, their schedule this year, with that game against CV. Now, they did lose that game 87-75. Pretty impressive for a team that, you know, hadn't really played together on the court uh, ever, uh, seeing how as Lloyd was the only returning starter. Now, uh, in that game, what made the headlines was Liam Lloyd dropped 46 points. So when you look down uh, the pipe of their schedule now, when they play CV again, will the game be as close? Will Lloyd drop over 40 points? Um, those are some question marks. Uh, but the kid is a scorer. I mean, we can see that from the very first game. He stepped onto the floor. He calls for the ball. He wants to shoot it. He has confidence when he shoots it. That's important. And it, it is true that in the high school level, one guy can really take over a game. So especially when that guy is 6'5", he's got height to him. He's got court awareness. Uh, he's been around the game his whole life, including you know, his dad, who's been a lifelong coach. That's really valuable to a kid. So um, their big win this year so far has been over Ferris. They just beat Ferris uh, this past week on Tuesday at Ferris. They beat him 50-36. to um, Quite game by Lloyd, actually, in that game. Uh, he did not put up very many points. I think he had like 10. Uh, the big scorer that night, I believe, was Fleming. And uh, so what they're proving true, what this prep team is proving true, and McIntyre's done it for, man, I think 11 seasons that he's been head coach now, is no one guy's bigger than the entire team. So even when you look at those teams last year that Anton was on, uh, no one guy is bigger than everybody else. That team last year that won the state title and went unbeaten all throughout, uh, I mean, you could just watch it from opening tip. The way they tipped the ball and got the immediate outlet pass and, you know, a quick layup, that's team basketball. That's why that team was so successful last year. They had all played together. They had been playing AU for like eight years before they had finally won that state title. So that actually means something. So if there's one thing that you can actually trust in Maddie and Coons and Carney and Joel is they're going to have those guys ready by the end of the season and in districts to make a run because of the fact that those coaches have been there before. They at least have one guy that's been there before in Liam Lloyd. So that's the important thing you need to think of when you're thinking, where will this team be at the end of the season? How will they enter districts? Just think about it from the standpoint of, hey, where have those coaches been? Where has their best player been? So when you look at the remaining schedule, I'll go through who they're going to play, and then I'm going to go through who I think uh, the Pups will beat and maybe lose to. So the remaining schedule is this, at home against NC, on the road against Mount Spokane, at home against CV, at home against LC, at home against U High at home against Ferris, on the road against Meade, 
and then at home against Meade. So, with those remaining games, I think there's eight games remaining for them for the season, including NC tonight. Now, going through that, I look at NC and I go, that should be a win. NC's program has not been uh, very good basketball for a long time. There's no reason why that shouldn't be a win, especially at home. Now, on the road against Mount Spokane, uh, Tyson Daggerhart, who plays for Mount Spokane, uh, he's a junior, he's 6'8". He's a pretty darn good player. And I know he's being looked at by Boise State, and that could prove some problems for the Pups because uh, they're, they're bigs. You know, though Lloyd is 6'5", he doesn't play, a, he's not a forward position. You know, he's not a stretch four, he doesn't play five. And so what proves to be potentially problematic is who's going to match up with that big guy. Um, I potentially see that Mount Spokane game as a loss. Uh, they're a pretty good team. They've got a good mix of juniors and seniors. Uh, and I think the talent, the Jimmies and the Joes, get the better of the Bullpups on that night, especially on the road. Really tough to go on the road and win where you know Mount Spokane is probably going to fill that gym pretty well. So the next game they have is at home against CV. What's really tough is that's probably another game that I see as a potential loss. Now, I know the game was really close when they played them at the beginning of the year, and I know the team's come a long way and had some good wins, including wins over in D.C. against teams that were nationally ranked. But when you look at CV, those guys have also played the entire season together now. Um, and it's probably going to be pretty hard for Lloyd to repeat his 46-point uh, performance. So for that reason, I probably look at that game that it's going to be close, but I think probably CV gets the edge in that game, seeing as they are uh, the better team in the GSL right now. Now, after that game, it's a home game against LC. I think they win that. Home game against U-High, they win that. Home game against Ferris, I think they win that again. Now, when you get down to the uh, Mead games to close the season, Mead is better than who they were last year. And Mead has had some good wins this year. They've beaten Ferris, uh, or they may have just lost to Ferris. Um, but they've had other wins and close games throughout the season. Typically, when I feel as if teams are uh, equals, because Mead is right behind Prep in the GSL uh, rankings right now as the number three team behind Prep, I think you chalk it up to who has the more experienced coaching staff. and. From what I know about the prep coaching staff, I see more experience on that side, and I see a collegiate player in Liam Lloyd. I give the edge in that regard, coaching, to prep, and that's why I would say prep wins those last two games. Even though they're back-to-back -back games against Meade, they'll be big games, and whoever wins that first one, the team's going to come back and say, you know, we want that three seed, uh, or, you know, we don't want to be the last seed or potentially miss the playoffs. It's going to mean a lot. But, like I said, it comes back to coaching. Who's the more expo uh, experienced coaching staff? I'll take the guy that's won three state titles uh, in his tenure at prep, and that's McIntyre. So that's where I kind of chalk up their final record being uh, a 14-6 overall and their league play being 14-3, which would put them on the, in the three seed uh, for the districts, and they would be behind CV and Mount Spokane. Uh, I think that that is a pretty good seed because, again, you're not going in as a bottom seed in the GSL, um, but you're going in in a fighting chance. Anything can happen in those district tournaments. And I think that 
they've got the parts, the pieces enough, um, enough experience, guys that have played quality minutes on the JV level, quality minutes now all year together. I think they'll be um, right where they should be by the end of the year. Now, big guys for prep that continue to need to play well. We've talked about Liam Lloyd. He's the leader of the team. In addition to that, though, Will Reeves is kind of their 4-5 guy uh, in, in that range. I know that uh, uh, Kaz, Kaz plays 5 usually, uh, but Will Reeves is a kid that's played prep consistent or uh, basketball consistently in his four years at prep, and uh, I think he's filled into those shoes nicely uh, as a starter this year. In addition to that, uh, we already kind of mentioned uh, Hodges Fleming a little bit. Guy can shoot it. Uh, and that's really important in a team nowadays, especially, you know, sabermetrics. You look at just analytics in general. Uh, you need to be able to have guys that can shoot it. And uh, Fleming definitely allots you that ability. And he's been a decent scorer over the past couple games for them down the stretch. Now, the last one is Jaden Stevens. Now, Jaden Stevens is a sophomore. Big kid. Uh, I mean, he's every bit of 6'6". Now, he came off of injury at the beginning of the season. He's young. He's only a sophomore. And that's going to be a kid that I'm not going to say he's Anton 2.0 because every player wants to be their own man type of thing. But he is a kid that you could be looking at the next Division I talent that is coming up and, you know, playing on the varsity level. So he's a kid, good size, has the ability to uh, score off the dribble, uh, you know, good mid-range game. He is one definitely in which... Uh, if you watch for in this year, next year, um, you know, is going to be making some headlines for sure. And I think could really help them, even though he's young, help them in that district tournament. So as the year comes down and uh, games get a little bit tougher, look for Jaden to hopefully kind of step into those uh, shoes and, uh, you know, give the Bullpups a fighting chance kind of thing. Um, just as a reminder now, for the district title, or I should say the district tournament, Here's how it works. 3A games count. So games against Mount Spokane, games against Shadle, games against NC. That counts toward your league record. So with that said, that means they take the top four teams in 4A and 3A. They're combined. It's not separate like it is in football. So with that said, it's imperative that prep finishes the season strong because of the fact they need to be one of those top four seeds. So current top four in the GSL right now, you have Mount or you have uh, CV number one, you have prep that's two, you are uh, Mount Spokane that's three, and you have Mead that's four. Uh, Mount Spokane's probably going to go up. It's just because of the fact that uh, I think prep has a game or two uh, in addition to Mount Spokane this year uh, in league play, but that's going to even out by the end of the year. So that's why ultimately I think Mount Spokane probably takes that two seed and Prep will probably slide into that three seed um, and be right where they should be come district time. Now, the girls, all right? Varsity girls basketball team should be kind of interesting this year. I think one of the main things that, I mean, when you kind of look at this is it's Mike Artie's 32nd year at prep. 32 years that man has been at prep and coaching. I mean, that's remarkable. I mean, that 
That right there, when you hear people say at times, that's a program win, that's what that means. It means your program has been good and competitive for years that sometimes in games where you play less than you're capable and you have no business winning the game, you'll win the game. And they call that a program win because of the fact that it's because you've been there before, you have a coach that's been there before. It's just for the fact that you have experience, you have that culture, you have that tradition, that that wills you a victory. So when I look at this girls team, not to say that they're not talented, but I think what Artie brings to the table will bring a lot of wins late in the season and hopefully earn them uh, a spot in the district tournament. Um, but I know it's going to be tough. You know, in conversations with some uh, in and around the prep community, they've expressed some of the talent that is in the GSL this year for girls basketball. So uh, with that said, the girls team thus far, we're looking at second in the GSL right now. Uh, five and one league record, ten and ten and two overall. Uh, their one league loss so far this year uh, was against U High, the third game of the season, and that was a little bit of a lopsided victory. Here's a couple reasons why. Uh, I believe uh, Olivia Mayer got hurt uh, in and around that game, and they were trying to figure out what is the starting lineup like without Olivia in it. So I think that that uh, impacted things in that U-High game. Now, uh, one of the main uh, accomplishments thus far for that young team and a team that after uh, Olivia went out with that ACL injury again, and you know thoughts and prayers go out to Olivia, and I know that this is not the first time. I believe it's the third time that she's torn her ACL and now a different knee. But... Um, Incredible athlete from what I've heard, and uh, competitor, fighter, all of that. I know she's going to be successful in whatever she ends up doing from this point forward, um, if it's not basketball. But uh, incredible legacy in which she's uh, potentially going to leave at prep because whatever she does from this point forward, she's going to show that she battled through the utmost amount of adversity. So when you look at their accomplishments after that injury, uh, they won that tournament they went to down in Arizona. And uh, that was, I think, something that took a lot of people by surprise because they went down there and they were dominant. They played really well as a team. Uh, they you know, beat teams handily uh, for the most part. And it's just something that you can actually tip your hat on. And late in the season, it's those type of wins and tournaments that actually go far for your team because you can draw upon We've beat other teams. We've beat better teams. You know, we did this and we were successful because we did that. That's really important to a team. So when I look at their biggest win thus far, in addition to going down in Arizona and winning that tournament, they beat CV to begin the year this year. So the boys lost, girls won. Girls won in overtime. Now, you can look at that team and go, well, Olivia was playing in that game. And yes, that her 13 points helped them win that game. But uh, at the same time, you're looking at a, a team that still beat CV who came into the season with, look out for their bigs. They got some tall girls on that team. 
And the girls and Artie were able to kind of put that behind them and go, you know, we're Gonzaga Prep. We're going to come in here and fight, and we're going to prove that we can win. And they did just that. Now, looking at their remaining schedule, here are a couple things that jump to my mind. I'll go through again their remaining schedule. I'll then go through the predictions I've made of how I see them finishing. Home against NC on the road against Mount Spokane. Home against CV. Home against LC. Home against UHI. Home against Ferris. On the road against Meade. At home against Meade. Now, those remaining games. Here's how I see it. At home against NC. That should be a win. On the road against Mount Spokane. Mount Spokane is the other top team in the girls GSL uh, bracket this year. They're the number one overall seed right now in the GSL. For that reason and the height that they have this year, I probably would say uh, Prep's going to lose that game. And that's the big thing that when I look at this team, this girls team, they play good team basketball, and they can run the floor pretty well. They don't have a lot of height. And that is tough in girls basketball, especially because if you've got girls that are physical underneath that are going to get offensive rebounds, are going to get defensive rebounds, they're going to be able to box out all those different things um, and drive the lane, that's really tough to combat at the uh, girl level. Um, you know, you can have shooters to combat that, but again, that's another thing that's not as common as it is in uh, men, you know, and in guys' basketball. So I'm not to look at this and say this isn't a conversation of girls are good or boys are better than guys. Well, can't speak. It's not saying that boys are better than girls, but it's just saying the style of basketball is different between the two. And when you have a physical, tall presence down low in girls' basketball, that goes a long way. So uh, that game against Mount Spokane, because they've got height, I probably see that as a loss. Now, the next game at home against CV, I think is probably going to be a loss this time around because CV is obviously a better team in which they were. And Prep is a better team, but they're dealing without Olivia. So even though they've grown a lot, since she's been injured, it's still tough to forego a girl that's got a lot of experience, got a lot of court awareness, knows where to be, can you know give you those big points in crunch time. So that game I probably would see as a loss against CV. Um, they play against home against LC. That's a win. Now, U-High. U-High started out the year as look out for U-High. They've got some big girls on their team. They had the, you know, the trio that they were kind of talking up of, you know, good height. These girls are going Division One. You know, they've got some real talent there. And I think one of the big things now when I look at that is, again, that height will be a potential issue for prep. So I look at that game as really a toss-up. I don't know if I can call that a win. I don't know if I can call that a loss. So right now I'm really in between that. I've got to see a, a little bit more of the girls' team before I can fully assess that. Um, so I'm kind of give and take uh, win or loss in that game. Now, I think uh, they win against Ferris at home, and then it comes down to playing Meade. Meade is, again, better this year with some transfer girls that have come in and joined that team. The seniors now that are on that Meade team, I think they split those games. I think it's the win one, lose one with those last two games. So with that said, their overall record at the end ironically ends up being 14-6, and six, just as the boys. 
But here's the difference. Their league record, uh, best case scenario, 10 of 4. Uh, worst case scenario, I see 9 and 5. Now, if it's probably that 9 and 5, they're probably the 5 seed on the outside looking in. Um, if they're able to go 10 and 4, let's say they win both those mead games, let's say they beat you high, I think ultimately that 10 and 4 record propels them to the 4 seed and into the playoffs. So it's going to be really important. I think those are the two games it comes down to. Can you beat you high? Can you beat me twice? If you do either one of those, either one of those, and you split the, the games against Mead, I think you make uh, the district tournament. If you don't, I think, you know, the the ladies' season will end uh, come February 8th. Now, I'd already mentioned this, size matters. And the big games that I kind of highlighted, U-High, CV, and Mount Spokane, all have size. So that will be the big indicator of how do the girls handle that? That will be an implication of how far are you going to go in the district tournament based on how you play against that size. Um, but if there's anything I know between both the girls and boys team at prep, if you can't play defense and you're not going to be aggressive, you're not going to see the floor very much. So if there's something prep always brings to the table, it's good sound team defense. Tremendous on-ball pressure, help defense, um, running the floor, uh, after getting potential steals, that's big in their success as a team on both sides, girls and guys. So this year, that's what I would look out for. Those are the things that I would kind of tune into. Um, this year so far, though, I've, I've seen some three notable players for the girls team. Uh, you know, and I apologize if I'm not getting these names right. Uh, you know, not being around the school as much as I want to right now. It impacts things, but uh Lakin Gardner, uh, she's a senior, uh, a guard, uh, pretty good. You know, she's had a consistent, uh, usually double-figure uh, point uh, total in, in almost every game, and that's been really important to the recent success for the team. Uh, you're looking at uh, Leah Carney. Uh, she's another senior that has played pretty well, again, stepped up uh, with the absence of senior Olivia Mayer. And then the last one, a sophomore, yeah, Satara Bird, um, pretty well. She's done pretty well. I mean, I, and she's she's actually given some height and some presence down low, and uh, you know, again with those point totals down there and uh, rebounds and such, that's been pretty big. And so she's she's been filling some pretty big shoes as a sophomore, and uh, I look for those uh, those girls to have continued success as the year progresses. And uh, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing some game the game against NC tonight on Friday. And uh, going forward from here, the reason why I waited to do a podcast for basketball to this point was this. I, w- I wanted to wait till there was more home games because if there's anything that it's easier to get to, usually get easier to get to a home game than it is an away game if you're out at U-High, out at CV, something of that sort. Um, but now that the, uh, the last, I think, six of the eight games are at home uh, for the Pups, Get out there and uh, and watch some games uh, because you're going to have full access. It's a great gym. If you haven't been a prep in a while, they've redone the gym. It's incredible. Uh, they have a, a whole hall of honor, basically, that lines the outside of the gym. Inside of the gym, uh, it you know, it's, it's soundproof from the outside. Uh, there's stands on both sides. And uh, it's really, really 
uh, a nice experience. And I think even opposing schools like playing at the at prep. So uh, get out there, support the pups, um, go watch some games. I'm going to call out Tate Kelly. Uh, he's been a guy that uh, former coach uh, of the St. Al's uh, basketball team and even coached Liam Lloyd when he was a younger tyke. So uh, I know Tate Kelly is going to be getting out there. I'll be out there, hopefully be around that guy because uh, if there's two things that I've learned in uh, the Gonzaga Prep community, Dom DeCaro and uh, uh, Tate Kelly, if I'm around either one of those guys, a uh, mass amount of people will be coming up to shake hands with them. Uh, so I meet a lot of great people when I associate with great people like uh, Dom and Tate. So it's been fun to talk basketball. We'll keep this going going forward, trying to get some uh, interviews with McIntyre, some players as well. But uh, exciting stuff, and it's really going to be crunch time in these final games for the Pups, both girls and boys, uh, to see if they're going to make the district tournament. Uh, really some close games coming down uh, the stretch for them against good opponents um, that should prove, hey, where their seed's going to be for the district tournament. Now, uh, it, was a, it was a joy to kind of come back and uh, be able to record another episode with you guys. Uh, you got questions, email the show at pupsports one at gmail.com uh and then uh if uh, you want to reach out to us on facebook i've had people reach out to me and say hey you know who'd be a great interview is this person and they've given me contact information that's amazing please continue to do that helps me out gives me an avenue gives me a way into talking to someone uh so that's been really really fun to have the community continue to reach out to me please continue to do that because it means a lot to me uh gives me another contact um, and grows my network as well as yours. For all those in the Bullpup community and those at PSP, I'm Nate Alford. Go Pups.